Hello, my name is Josh Stewart, and welcome to the Great Design Lead Podcast. I am a UX designer, UI designer, photographer, creative, problem solver, uh, goofball, and right now I am working at Think Company in Philadelphia and focusing on personal photography projects. Well, thanks for coming on and hanging out with me. I already thanked you, but I wanted to do it while it was recording too. No, totally fine. I uh, I am very appreciative of being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if you know uh, how I, I don't, maybe if you know how I found you. Um, I had actually been following you on LinkedIn for a while because uh, when I first got into um, uh, user experience design, I came from graphic design. It was like the first time I ever heard about it was my senior year. And uh, all these people were talking about like general assembly and all of these different things. And I'm like, let me just like go find some people that were through general assembly. And then I found you. And then I like followed your progress when you, when you got your job at um, think company. And uh, I just been kind of like weirdly following you ever since, even though we never met, which is, I feel, <laughs> I don't want you to think I'm like a crazy person. No, no, no. No, I think that, I think that is definitely, um, even though probably a lot of us do not like to admit it, uh, a thing that we all do on social media in general, but I will say that I commend you for doing the things that you actually do on LinkedIn because like you seem to have no fear reaching out cold to people, um, which is something that I've always really struggled with. So like, I don't find it weird. I, I find it <laughs> the most commendable personality trait that I think I, I, I see in somebody, especially like on a way of being able to communicate with somebody. So no, don't feel weird about that. Okay, good. It seems like most people tend to not be weirded out by it. So I kind of do it more. And I, I noticed that I was like, before I don't you probably saw the number of times I like looked at your LinkedIn profile <laughs> in the recent days, because I was like prepping for the podcast. And I remember somebody said to me one time, like, isn't it weird that like these get they're getting all of these alerts that you're looking at their phone? And I'm like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so strange, because like, I feel like from an outsider's perspective, I'm like, you probably, that's not weird. Like, go ahead and do it. But if I were to do it, it's immediately like, I'm, I'm throwing up red flag after red flag. We're strange. I get all in my head about it, but uh, no, it, it's something that I think we all have to work through. We all get like really subconsciously worried about, but it's like, just go for it. It's fine. Yeah. So I just wanted to let you know that like when I was prepping the podcast, trying to learn more about you, um, uh, something that I, I like doing is actually like going to the very, very, very bottom of Instagram. And just going up and listening to a story. <laughs> and so um, I, I guess if we want to start from the very beginning, um, you're from Delaware, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What were you like uh, when you were a little kid? Like, would you remember like what kinds of things that you were interested in and stuff? Uh, this probably is going to sound really chaotic. So like Emily <laughs> listeners, please be prepared because this is like a wild ride. Um, <laughs> as a kid, I was always somebody who was outside. I was always playing with my friends. Sports were always uh, a really big part of my life. Um, so I would constantly be up at nine o'clock in the morning with my friends trying to schedule who's going to play football, who's going to play basketball. Uh, who's going to play baseball at like 90 degree weather in the middle of summer. Um, so that I, I definitely was, you know, always outside, always active. And then I would say that was probably at least through like 
middle school at least. Mm-hmm. And then when I hit high school, I think things started to like shift a lot for me. Um, I started out high school, like really wanting to be, I wanted to play sports. So I tried out for the football team. I went to try out for the baseball team. Um, didn't make the football team. And I was like, oh, I want to do sports management. So went into like sports management role, which then bled into like, um, like fitness and psychology and like how that, uh, how that, how fitness actually assists people in a psychological manner, which is what my like senior capstone project was about. But it was weird because while all of this was happening, I started picking up a camera and I was like, oh, I really love photography. And I was always circled around photography with my extended family because my grandmother took photos all the time. Like there was a, a, there's always a phrase in our, in my mom's side of the family that's take a picture, June, because my grandmother (laughs) would always be taking pictures at every turn. So it's like built this innate curiosity as to like what photography was and started walking around with my friends, taking photos, um, and really got latched onto the idea of, oh, I can do this for a living, or at least I can like really fall headfirst into this subject matter and Mm -hmm. took a really, really hard pivot my senior year of high school and uh, applied for art school. So that was like probably the most formidable like younger years that I had. And it was just like really herky jerky all over the place, but wound up landing in a really nice spot, which I'm super happy about. Yeah. Is that, was that a weird shift to go from uh, sports to photography? Like, do you, I remember when I told my mom, I, I changed interests from uh, one thing to another. It was like, it was like telling her a secret that I was like, because I had all of these like presents from years and years and years of like being interested in this other thing. And then you swap to this new thing and you have to like tell everybody you have like a new personality. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's so difficult and it's so much more of a compounded issue when it's a creative endeavor. And I think that's what the most difficult conversation to have, because like I, I did have that conversation. It was, it was not easy because I think, you know, my parents for sure were always like well-being and like how you're going to support yourself and every did you know the kind of like typical things that you would hear in <laughs> like a creative endeavor um for me it was never really uh like a weird thing to have to deal with on a personal level i think i i struggled with it at first um and my mind was made up new year's eve of my uh senior year when my <laughs> friends sat me down on new year's night uh and was like you need to go do this. Like we can tell where your heart is. And once I heard that, it was like, oh, if this is where my heart is, like, I know I need to follow it. So I always kept sports in my back pocket. I'm still like a big sports fiend to this day. Um, But never, never really regretted going towards uh, a creative endeavor or really had a hard time with it. It was something that just felt uh, freeing, if anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember like I used to like be super 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 into photography actually um like that that was like m- like my huge thing in in middle school and high school like I to the point where I like the people at the photography store in my hometown like knew my name like mm-hmm. if there was a new lens that came out they like called me up <laughs> that's awesome and uh I I remember like 
um, I don't know if this was for you too. Like I, there would be some scouting like outings that people would do. And I would always be like the youngest person there by like 25 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, like I, I remember, um, I got into it because I got glasses and I was able to notice that like, there were actually things beyond a certain distance from me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So you, you said that, um, you got into it partially because of your, your grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, what what kind of relationship was that like um it was never never anything like super deep i would say i mean i think that side of my family was way more uh uh traditional and had more of like an upright spine than i ever had like even <laughs> as a kid um i'm very much so just like willy-nilly kind of like everywhere at least when i was when i was younger um and my grandparents were always like super super loving Um, But there was never really like a relationship built over photography, which would have made that Mm. so much more cherished. And I would have loved that because I feel like photography has such a power to like bring people together, um, especially like family photos. I mean, that's always like, that's been a big thing, even for my immediate family, which was like, I remember growing up with like actual photo albums, like not flipping through an iPhone to look at photos. (laughs) And, you know, if I had something that in a relationship, it would have been like, probably even like a deeper connection. Um, But it's something that I've always cherished to like learn from someone to be like, you should keep that around because I know now, like I don't remember everything. Mm. Um, It was like a really good habit to learn uh, to kind of like archive all those memories, even if something like not so formal in terms of photography, um, but even something more casual, just be like, remember that blip in time that you would have been erased from your mind at any other, you know, juncture of life. Now you have this forever. Um, yeah. I was always been like really appreciative of that from like learning that from my grandmother and like taking every opportunity that she had. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, um, my grandmother is actually a painter. Um, and okay. so she's like a, like a, a very, very good oil painter. And, uh, I remember she got into it, I think around the time that she retired. And I just remember it's weird. Like I, the painting that I made was not very good, but like the, <laughs> the actually sitting with her. Um, the memory of that is something that is going to last a lot longer than the painting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's like, it, it's, it's just that, that bond that those creative endeavors like open up. Um, Cause some, some, some of those things is like, it's so past surface level. It's more about like the energy in that relationship. So that's awesome that you got to do that. Did she, was she like an oil painter, like all throughout her life or was it something just after retirement that she did? I think it was just after retirement. And I actually, here, the, the people who are listening won't be able to see this, but you'll be able to see that there's a painting behind me. Amazing. Oh, yeah, and she actually, um, as a graduation gift, uh, she gave me two of her paintings, um, but they, they were reprints, and they're they're really really nice. And and she told she had them in her in her studio, and she said, pick which one you want, and like don't look at the price tag, just like pick which one you want. Happy birthday and happy graduation. I was like, okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so great. <laughs> yeah, there were like certificates with it and everything. And I was like, okay, I'll keep you somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like how my relationship with my grandfather, my grandmother kind of like reinforced that creative endeavor. Is that something that you also found, you know, reinforced your, your interest in creative endeavors as well? I, I think it was just like, 
Um, I don't think she ever really like had a, a place in, in what I did, but I just remember like every once in a while, there would just be like a gift here or there that was kind of like a nudge, whether it was like colored pencils or uh, a to-go easel or something like that. Like she never like told me what to do, but she was always like providing something for me to do. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like, I feel like younger, like uh, earlier on, I did the same thing with my younger nieces where it's like, and I'm, I'm sure from her perspective, she saw this as well as like, this is like an out for you. This is like something where you can like put a lot of energy into. And at the end of the day, it's yours and no one can take that away from you. So like those kind of gestures, I'm like, oh, that's such, that's such a loving gesture that someone did that. Like, yeah. for, like a younger person. So that, that's amazing. Aww. That's like, what kind of things would you do for your nieces? Oh, it would be the same thing. It would be yeah. like, you only colored, coloring books, color pencils. <laughs> um, I used to burn, like music is also a big creative thing for me. I don't do music. I don't uh, actually perform music, but I love music very, very deeply. And like, I used to burn CDs for my oldest niece. Like when we were <laughs> like, here's an Evanescence CD. You're absolutely going to love this. And she's just like playing it. Um, so like those kind of things where I'm just like, you know, there's something else outside of the realm of what's considered typically normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all of these things for you to explore creatively, whether that's music or drawing or, you know, painting, photography, whatever it may be. You just saw me like attack a fly that was yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, okay, sorry. But yeah, I was listening to what you're saying. Like, like um, uh, that that's really, that's really sweet. When, when you talk about like, like having an out and like doing all of these things that like have are your own thing um what was it like growing up in the town that you're from because from the pictures that I saw it doesn't seem too different from where I'm from I'm from uh Orfield Pennsylvania which is like it's like the suburbs right before the middle of nowhere like it's like 15 minutes maybe like 20 minutes from like the place where my sister would ride horses and on the other side of town it's like the city of uh Allentown (laughs) so it's like this weird in-between state and I was wondering what it was like growing up in your town kind of the same um I remember when I first moved here um I remember being able to look out of my back window of my house and see nothing like no houses no buildings it was just like the sky and the horizon that was it um I live in a very of used to be very like big farming town um where there was two schools one red light and a grocery store when i moved here so it was just very isolated um when at least when we first got here and i'm talking like when i was like super super young by the time i got into middle school and high school it was starting to change a lot um and it became a little bit more populated but still like pretty sparse in terms of like things to do um which is why I was trying to always find things to do outside. Um, it was also pretty difficult for me because growing up, even though at the time I was like really wrestling with it, like being a queer person in a small town is really, really hard. Um, especially when I don't see any kind of like reflection of myself anywhere around me, whether that was frankly really on TV or whether that was in person. Um, at a point in time, and some of my photography work actually reflects this as like, there was a level of like alienation to me, like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't, I don't fit in here. Um, and I always kind of knew I wasn't going to eventually fit in here. And the space 
started to feel like it was kind of like shutting me out or pushing me out. Mm. Um, and that's been a, a really, that's been a really weird experience because, uh, now I live back in Delaware for a very brief stint. So like re, re, re going through this again and being here has been kind of eye opening and being like, Oh, this place never stops changing. It's like, mm. I never, I'm on my own timeline and this, this place is also on its own timeline. And I'm frankly kind of happy that we kind of like grow apart from each other, even though at the end of the day, it's like, it's still my home, it's still my hometown. I'm sure you feel the same where you're like, it's, there's just a place in my heart where I'm never going to forget it, even though at the same time, it's never been perfect for me. So, but yeah, it's, it was never, I don't know. I don't have any, any, any animosity for it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it definitely came to a point where I was like, I think I'm ready to wash my hands of this place. And then there, this place is also ready to wash its hands of me. Mm. the the town that I'm from uh um it was like kind of like a weird mix of of both like when I moved to Philly um it's like I don't know I feel like Philly and like Ohio if you take both of them equal percent that's like where I'm from (laughs) so like we would have like uh some cars that are like covered top to bottom with like uh um uh bumper stickers of like save the turtles and like all of these like <laughs> super hippy dippy things and then i would hear my friends say oh i really hope that they don't walk through the parking lot um and check through the cars and i'm like why and he's like my crossbows in the back of my car i don't want to get in trouble yeah. <laughs> and i'm like whoa so i had like a weird like in between thing so i can kind of imagine like leaning more into the other side and kind of like what your your town was like were there times that like people would be like direct with you about about you being different from them or or was it more like just like a a quiet thing that you just felt you're trying to like imagine what that person was thinking yeah it was definitely an imagine what what this person is thinking kind of thing like I I was so to myself when I was younger in terms of like on a social scale, I didn't really have any friends, not at least a lot of friends that went to the same school as me. I had friends that went to other schools. Um, and even those friends were like very, very close knit, just like people, a few people that I kept pretty, pretty isolated from, you know, any kind of like larger groups. Um, but no, it, it was never anything that was like confronted to me face on. It was just something that I tried to push down for so long to be like, mm oh, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you're going to be okay. And, you know, if you do stick around, it'll be fine. When really at the end of the day, it was just like started bubbling up where it was like, it's, this is, it's going to be a time where like, you have to go. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, it was never like, never a confronting thing. It was always just a very quiet in my own head, like reeling about that type of situation. So when you were kind of, so was, was this like the height of this kind of like, when you were about to leave or was it kind of oh when you were right like right about to leave to go to school absolutely like yeah school was like unshackling myself from like the ball and chain that I had on like a Mm. personal level um the summer before I moved to Philadelphia I came out to my mom and my dad um moved to Philadelphia and I was like okay cool like I get to turn this leaf over and be anybody I want to because the person that I was before is actually not me. 
it like mm. quite literally felt like a character I was, caricature I was putting on to say like, oh, like keep yourself safe. And mm. now you get to go, like you really get to go create whoever you are now. Um, so it was a very freeing experience. So then that happened. I wanted to make sure that that happened as soon as I left. And it did. When you say that, it makes me think that um, there was a lot of pressure maybe from yourself to get into school kind of like oh like this is my ticket out like I got to make sure that I get there what was that time period of like applying to school and like deciding which school you want to go to so I had initially applied to University of Delaware which would have definitely like worse than the situation of being like I'm not getting out of here I'm definitely (laughs) 90% of my high school went to University of Delaware um and then when I had that conversation with my friends on New Year's Eve, um, I was like, okay, it's going to be art school. And I first applied to Montserrat in Massachusetts. I think it is. I forget now. It's like the, (laughs) that was like the first art school I ever applied to. Um, And then I discovered University of the Arts and I was like, okay, like this is close enough to home. So I can like, at least go see my family, go see my friends that I have kind of scattered around. Um, But far enough where it's like, it feels new. And definitely the territory was new compared to where I was living to now like a a much bigger city. Um, But I definitely saw school as my out. And it was just like, do anything you can to like not be in Delaware anymore (laughs) Um, and not be in a smaller state and definitely experience like, the big city energy type of thing. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of pressure, but I didn't put that pressure on myself in a negative way. It was like mm. an excitement kind of like discovery piece, but those are actually the only two art schools I ever applied to. Yeah. Did you visit Philly before you applied? I went to Philly for uh, f- the Philadelphia Phillies uh, World Series Parade. Those are the only experience I ever had in Philadelphia before I moved there. So in your mind, it was like... Philly equaled very crowded baseball stadium. <laughs> yes. Very crowded streets. Everybody excited about baseball. Uh, literally nothing else. I have no idea what happens here. <laughs> I I remember it like um, uh, uh, when I was applying to school and everything like that, I didn't, I, I had this idea that it was like this Willy Wonka um, uh, golden ticket to like the rest of your life type thing. Did you think about it like that? I did in a way. Um, and it was definitely more of a, along the lines of just being like, I don't know what doors this is going to open for me on a professional level, but really like on a personal level, I had no idea what was going to, what doors were going to open. Um, because I hadn't discovered and that person inside of me that was kind of like sleeping for so long. Um, so I saw it as a golden ticket of just being like, get out of the place where you grew up. And now you get to discover who you are and you get to do the thing that you actually truly love, which is photography. So I'm like, you get to have all of these worlds evolve into what they're, what they're going to be. So yeah, like definitely it felt like a a golden opportunity to like expand my horizons, if anything. Uh, A fun memory that I like to ask, um, because it's always really interesting that some people like forget what the memory was, is um, uh, do you remember the night before you went to college because I remember that pretty vividly and I don't think I could sleep <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it felt with something like Christmas like 
waking up and just being like, oh, like I, especially as a kid is like, what's going to happen? Like, what am I going to get out of this, out of this situation? I don't remember what it was like that experience vividly. I remember actually being in the car driving to Philly before I got Mm. dropped off at my dorm. Um, And it was just like a level of just erratic nervousness and uh, like excitement at the same time. Like how, how, how did you like, what was the, what was the thing that anchored you in the experience? Like the night before that you went to college I do this thing where sometimes I'm like this time next blank I'm going to be blank so like sometimes it's like when I was moving into my new apartment I was like this this time two months from now I'm going to be in the new apartment or uh this time tomorrow I'm going to be in a dorm in an extra long twin like I think that's (laughs) what I was thinking of like the only space between me and this new experience is time and I have no control over it and I'm just like a passenger on this (laughs) yeah yeah no I absolutely feel that I absolutely feel that yeah so you you were driving there it's not too far right it's like less than two hours right less than an hour I I mean without traffic I can get there within an hour oh okay so you you go with your parents you pull up was it kind of like what you were uh because you hadn't been there before like was it kind of what you were expecting in terms of like visually what college would look like Uh, probably everything and more um (laughs) my year of of uarts I mean my years of uarts especially my freshman year it was just like just Pandora's box like really anything in terms of like what that experience is because I feel like a lot of people it, it seems as though a lot of people had that experience for the first time like going to a city that they never really been to um getting out of the suburbs um or moving from another city and just experiencing a a completely different environment um yeah it was definitely everything and more I mean just we would billow out on streets and like play the guitar and like laugh and sing and like all this other stuff I mean it was just in hindsight it was like oh, like it's, it's kind of what people are like, this is a movie, like, it feels like a movie. <laughs> but, like, it kind of did feel like that, but I I didn't notice that in the moment as much mm. as like, when I was actually living it. When I look back where I was just like, oh, it's actually so wild. I had what feels like a pretty, like, uh, stereotypical, like, initial college experience, especially getting, like, indoctrinated into a big city. Um so yeah, I mean the it met all my expectations for sure. And so that that first like month for you there, like like I don't know, I'm guessing like walking to the grocery store for the first time <laughs> and walking back <laughs> later on in the snow. Wearing <laughs> as many bags as you can in like one hand. Like uh, I don't want to make two trips to the car, but I can only make one trip because I'm going from the grocery store to my dorm. <laughs> so like like that that first month like the when you walk into the buildings when you are first I'm I'm guessing maybe you have darkroom experience just like in the first year like what was that like for you did you have like your your experience was um your senior year of high school so I don't think you had a lot of time to do a lot of formal things so what was that first year like first year was just like a complete immersion um at UArts, I'm fairly certain it's it's similar to like other art schools where it was like um, foundations year. So we would do drawing, uh, 2D, 3D, and drawing. 
then I would have different electives that I would take. So it was really just like falling headfirst into a creative world that I actually had never been exposed to. I mean, really before my senior year of high school, I had never like drawn anything. I've never painted charcoals. I've literally never done 3D work. Like, <laughs> um, so like that, that type of energy is, is definitely something that I was just like, I fell headfirst into. And I was like, this is, this is what I've always wanted to kind of be around. Um, so getting exposed to that just kind of like cracked my head open a little bit more of just being like, look, like, look at all these different things that like you can actually do. And it was wild because like, even though I was so apprehensive about doing those new creative endeavors, I learned that the only thing I ever needed to do was just do it. And like, it's kind of like a muscle. Like I wasn't going to learn those things without doing them. Um, and the more I did them, the better I got at them. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm really, I'm getting something out of the energy that I'm putting into this experience. Um, and that really was just like formidable from that point on um, that kind of like shaped the rest of my college career. Were there classes that you didn't expect to take? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I so, didn't expect to be in this watercolors class. I'm in photography. Like what am I doing here? <laughs> I mean, my 3d class was great. I actually really loved my 3d, my 3d class. Um, drawing actually became very therapeutic. Mm. Um, I mean, going anywhere from just doing like looking at shells and drawing those, uh, looking at figure work, charcoals was great because especially as a photographer I was like oh I can translate light which I typically see through a viewfinder Mm. actually through this instrument that I can make on paper and I thought that was just oh when I made that connection I was like oh that's why I feel so good at this because this is how my mind already sees things Mm. um definitely found myself in screen printing and that's uh, I won't say screen printing um printmaking classes Mm, okay. I was doing multiple different types of printmaking, which actually also grew to be a pretty big love of mine. Um, not anything where I was doing uh, like drawing things, but I was very much so a guinea pig um, exposing uh, lithography plates from my negatives that I made. And I was Ooh. the first person at my college who ever did that. So I was just kind of like experimenting with what that process looked like. How do you uh, do that? What, what, what's the process with that? It is this giant metal sheet that, so you have this giant metal sheet and it looks blue and then you create, you get a negative on the computer and you create whatever size digital negative you want. Mm -hmm. And then you take that plate and the negative and you expose those two things together. And then from that, it basically has your photo on the plate, which you then roll with ink, put through a press and then voila, you have whatever you created digitally on this now like piece of paper with ink on it. So I was like, oh, this is really incredible because I also was working in Photoshop, not very beautifully by any means, <laughs> but like working in Photoshop, collaging my actual work together and just making something new. And again, like expanding those, hor- those horizons. Um, and that eventually lithography and that type of experience actually led me more into um, non-silver printmaking, which is Ooh. more directly about photography. Um, mm-hmm. So taking negatives or um, laying objects on a piece of paper that uh, has um, that has chemicals on it and exposing those. And 
that just, that was definitely a, a deepening for my love of photography because I tried everything I possibly could to deepen my love for physical art, um, which is very contrary to what I do now professionally. <laughs> but like physical art pieces is something that I always try to keep really close to my heart and non-silver from mixing chemicals to making my negative to exposing it and washing it in water and like getting that voila moment. Um, I tried to keep as close to me as possible. And it was just, it was such an amazing experience that led to um, different things that I was able to to go and do like at Peter's Valley, which is a, an arts community slash like they have workshops there. Mm. Um, I won an award and a grant to be able to go there and stay there for a week to be able to make non-silver prints, which was just to be is in, this um, in Philadelphia or this where? Is actually in Peter's Valley, New Jersey. Um, oh, okay. Felt very mystical. I was like, New Jersey has like a valley with like these places that kind of look like mountains, but I know they're not. It, was, <laughs> it felt very mystical, and I it definitely didn't feel like I was in New Jersey. But that that experience, like staying there with other artists and waking up every day and like making non-silver prints, is just like an experience I would just never forget. Um, another class that I never thought I would take is more psychology courses. Um, okay. I found myself in psych courses. I was specifically in a a course called group dynamics, which was um, a very strange experience where if you and I were students, we would walk into the class, the teacher would not speak and they would actually just take notes about the way that we would interact with each other. And the only main goal that we would do is we would not talk in the past tense. We would not talk in future tense we would only talk about the now and bring up any anxieties that we had in the moment. um, Any dynamic that happened right there in that very specific moment. And that was like such a profound experience that was very difficult. um, But really just like it, it impacted people. And I think way more than they initially let off. How would I do that? Because if you're saying how you feel and you know that it came from something in your past, but you can't talk about it because it's in the past, you kind of just have to work with what's going on now. Yeah. The the details are very fuzzy. I forget exactly <laughs> how those conversations went, but I remember specific outcomes of conversations, which were like people storming out of the room very angry or- wow people breaking down and crying about the, yeah, I mean, it was, it, I mean, it was extremely profound. And the teacher that I had actually um, went over to Wharton and had the same classes with uh, either business students or business professionals at Wharton. Yeah. And he would get the same reactions there too. And he was like, you can come along anytime you want. Like, you seem like you really love this class. You're doing a great job. You want to come to Wharton with me? And I was like, Maybe, but also kind of frightened me because I was like, I don't know how people are going to react, and I'm a little. <laughs> but it, it, it was a it was a really formidable and profound experience that I definitely had with that class that I did not expect to have, not at all. I've uh, I've had conversations with people that um, helped me work through things before, and uh, it's definitely weird because sometimes it's like you don't know what you don't know. Like, and stuff like that. So were there moments that you feel comfortable talking about, about like 
things that you like realized in that class because I feel like um uh especially now people don't really have a lot of time to just like be by themselves there's always a distraction for everything um and so what were those moments like where like you weren't on your phone you were with other people but like you really had to focus on what was going on right then it was it's strange because I don't think I any had anything where like I turned the mirror on myself mm-hmm. and I looked at myself in a way where I was like oh like that thing over there in the corner I got to put a flashlight on and like discover for the first time but I think what that class told me is just like being able to connect with people in a in, on a level where I didn't have those that distraction and I focused on the person that was in front of me or the people that were in front of me and the conversation that was happening and I was just like this the format of this conversation is just so much more focused on them as a human being and like a it's almost like a like you're seeing into them really mm. um and that I think was probably the most impactful thing. It, it it definitely didn't feel like a mirror situation, but more or less of being able to like see through the fog and like see people for who they really are um, on a very, very deep level. Um, even when they were mad, even when they were sad, it was like something where you'd be like, oh, I want, like, I want to be there for you. Like I, this is, I don't know, that it definitely deepened connections between people for sure. That's very strange that like, how how long was that class? Is that like a two-hour class, hour and a half long class? Do you remember? Pretty sure it was like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I've been um so I I've been doing this podcast for a little bit and I noticed that um uh I get a lot out of it because I don't really have a lot of times in my life where I can actually have a conversation with somebody for like an hour and a half, two hours uninterrupted and actually get to know them and uh like some people um you know I can compare it to like relationships and stuff like some people say that like you can't love somebody until you love yourself and uh, there's another thing to that of like sometimes loving somebody else can help you understand what that is and then love yourself and so sometimes you don't really know how to like think through things and and to like listen to yourself but then listening to other people talk kind of helps me with that a little bit. Yeah. Any absolutely. thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, I would definitely agree. I think it's something where it's not just a, sometimes like discovering yourself is doesn't need to be like a suffering in silence situation until like you've reached some artificial peak of, Oh, now I get to like go connect with other people. It's like it, other people enrich your life, your life to be able to like see the best things in you and also see the worst things in you and grow through those things to become who you truly are. Um, I would agree. It's like a relationship. I've been with my husband for over 10 years. Like I met him my freshman year of college, which also like definitely (laughs) impacts the experience that I had learning about myself, learning about somebody else. And those things didn't happen in silos. They happened mm. like they happened in, in, in synchronicity. They, in, they were synchronous with each other. Yes. They were synchronous with each other and definitely taught me more things about myself because I had someone there all the time. And I didn't have to like, you know, ponder by myself and like I said, suffer in silence. So yeah, like this is, it, it's life is a two-way street. Never meant to be a one-way street for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, 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 um, wow, I didn't expect it to get this deep this fast. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, this is very much so what this class was like, where you're just like, wow, I was not expecting this, but it, it opens those doors for sure. Um, uh, something that often happens in, in college is like, uh, something, whether it's like a classes or an activity or something like that is like really, really hard and you have to deal with it yourself. Um, and it, I think that it really forms you. Like for, for me, it was, um, for some reason I joined a, a sports team, even though I had like never done sports. <laughs> I I joined a, a rowing team and I was the coxswain and I was waking up like like sometimes at like four forty five in the morning to go to practice and it was always it was like be in the middle of winter and I'd be in a boat and I'd be wet <laughs> and like I actually lost feeling in, in like one of my fingers for a few months because like I didn't realize that they were they were numb so I didn't realize I was hurting them until <laughs> later on I was like oh I still can't feel it. <laughs> so like I there was there that that was something um uh in addition to like some other other things that that I did that were really really hard but I was really thankful that they happened because I feel like it taught me a lot and if I just had like the easy way out I wouldn't know as much as I do now mm-hmm. were were there things for you that like you had to accomplish in school that you feel changed you and, and, and helped you? I would say probably when I hit my junior year is kind of when that, that feeling started to hit. Also, it was like what you were mentioning about like time where you're like, oh, two years from now, I'm not going to have all this structure and I'm not going to have mm-hmm. this kind of experience. So like that time is going to keep passing whether I'm ready or not. And it was making the most out of literally every project that I was doing from that point on. And I think for my like big, my, like my junior show and the work I'd worked through, through senior year, that was probably where that came from because you don't go into those situations knowing like, Oh, I have like, here's my concept list. And we get to go down this checklist and be like, Oh, let me just try this idea. Let me try this idea with my work. It was very much so like uh, a personal level thing. What was happening with me? in my life at that, at that time. And I think being able to like grit through that discovery process was huge for me. Mm -hmm. And then really like what my senior year work was, was because it was so personal, like gritting through that experience. And it's, that was kind of like, I left, I left my hometown at 18 and four years later made a photography, uh, like made it, had a show essentially about what that experience was like and how I felt pushed away from that place after four years of like recognizing it. Mm. So it was really just like gritting through doing that work at the end of the day, because it was like, I had to figure out what it was. And then I had to like work through the personal stuff that I was working through as I was shooting it. Um, So I think that was probably like the, the like grittiest thing that I really worked through in school or the thing that challenged me. Um, yeah, I would probably say that. So did you go home, uh, on, on weekends and stuff like that to do that project? Absolutely. Oh yeah. I would come home like middle of the week. I was mm. like, tell my professor to be like, Hey, I have to go home for like two days just to like bother the hell out of my mom and like take a lot <laughs> of pictures of her or like drive around my hometown and take pictures. Um, yeah. but yeah, I would just 
I, for hours, just drive around and go to the places I would go with my best friends or like go to the places around my middle school or mm-hmm. hang out with my parents and take these, uh, take these photos in my childhood house. So yeah, it would basically be like weekends or the whole week if I needed it middle of the week, whenever. Um, I looked at a lot of your, your photography, especially ones I'm, I'm thinking they're your mom, because I think there were like captions of like, mom or something like that <laughs> um and i i was really drawn that um uh they they weren't like the um smile cheese say cheese photos like they were like very uh like intimate and like how that person actually was in that moment how do you have that moment with somebody that they feel comfortable enough with a photo being taken of them even if they don't like I don't know. They're not like at the peak of like being happy. This is like how I want everybody to see me all the time. Facebook profile photo. Like what, (laughs) what is that like? It's hard to explain. I think everyone's going to have their different view on that and like how they have people put their guard down. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's really any like secret sauce for it really past just building a relationship with that person. I mean, that's why I've always been so much more comfortable taking photos of my family because Mm -hmm. I have like such a deep innate connection with them that even if a camera is between me and them, it's just, it's just life is really what I'm documenting or at least I'm trying to document. Mm -hmm. Um, I always thought smiles and things and that (laughs) all that was very much so like a distraction away from what I thought someone was trying to tell me non-verbally. Um, and I always try to strip that back, but I don't really think there's any substitute from just like building a connection with someone and having them understand like what you're trying to do. Um, even though I don't think a lot of people understand what I'm trying to say, or really frankly, what they might be saying, Mm -hmm. uh, during that photo. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really just about like the really, really deep connection. And there are a lot of photographers who explore this type of, um, this type of relationship, whether that's from photographer and subject or subject and subject, I would suggest everybody to go see Touching Strangers by uh, Richard Rinaldi, which is a incredible series about uh, two strangers he finds on the street and has them touch, whether that's a hug or holding hands or some form of interaction. Um, And they might be smiling those too, but those little things kind of like strip away those you know nonverbal distractions and kind of like make you make this story or you're really seeing their story from those interactions it's really interesting um but that's just like an example of like how people kind of like take those uh the the framework of a like a facebook picture away (laughs) but yeah definitely for me more of like a relationship building type of experience is there um something to the whole uh some like trying to understand what somebody's really about for you um like is is there like the whole storytelling um what makes you so interested in trying to figure out what what the thing is going on because um uh I feel like there's a lot of people out there that just like see somebody and they're just like okay I'm gonna forget about this person in two seconds but you're actually interested in like what their story is all about it's the way that uh, Frank, it's, it's so funny. I was having this conversation with my husband and my niece uh, the other week, but it was like, 
and I have this, I actually have this conversation with my mom as well. I, the way that I see life is like, our, our lives are nothing but stories. That's mm-hmm. how, that's how I always see them. It's little story after little story that just creates this like volume of, you know, what, what life is. Um, and it's really just like me trying to, trying to capture what that story is in that exact moment. Um, mm-hmm. Whether, you know, obviously things before that impacted it, things after that would impact it. Um, I've always seen life that way. And it's like, I asked my mom the other night, I was like, do you know, do you ever look back on your life and like, think about like your story, not just about like things that have happened, like so microscopically in life, but more or less like holistically, like, do you Mm -hmm. ever think about that? And my mom's like, no, I don't. (laughs) And I'm like, how do you not? Because I'm someone who always sits there and I ponder it. And I'm like, you did this. And then you went through that. And like these things kind of like ebbed and flow. And there's this type of energy that happens between these little stories that create this larger story that, that who, that's who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think a camera has a really unique um, power to be able to like pluck people out of that narrative, even if it's for a hot second while they're shouldering it. Um, Mm. What piece that you comprehend um, is frankly up to you. That person might be showing you the whole picture, but from what you see, it might just be like a very small snippet as well. So it's a really interesting kind of thing that I always see just in people. Hmm. I uh, Does that make you a more empathetic person? Um, do you think about people differently than just this is time. who this person always has been? <laughs> All the time. I, th- I like... I would definitely credit, I would definitely credit photography for my sense of empathy for sure. Um, because I think it, it just, it's such a powerful creative outlet and, and a camera is such a powerful tool to be able to do that. Uh, weirdly enough, I also think my sense of empathy comes from working at Apple for five years. I told <laughs> people that, I mean, I meet strangers on like uh, it was like blind dates every 15 minutes, just like one customer after, after another and trying to empathize with like, what's making them frustrated or like what's mm. making them happy. And I think that kind of experience also kind of played into that for sure. Um, just to like quickly peel back the layers of somebody understand something, um, especially at Apple and then kind of go on to the next one. It's like a round Robin ex- exercise. <laughs> is that emotionally taxing oh my gosh (laughs) beyond beyond I mean it was like that is so emotionally taxing for me but also like especially working at Apple they got to a point where I was like I actually can't do this any longer Mm. um because it got it got to be way too much um but also at the same time like I I try to look at those type of experiences like incredibly enriching Mm. because you never know if you're ever, if that person ever came across somebody else who they were able to have the conversation they had with you ever. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it, it definitely does have, um, you know, it's rose and it's thorn, but I try to always, even though I have to like separate myself from the situations when it is very thorny, now Mm. I get to look back and be like, Oh, well, look at all the roses that were there because that was, that was so enriching at that point. Um, uh, when I was uh, younger, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I used to like get upset with people sometimes or like, 
I'm like, oh, that person's like impossible. Why do they act like that? And all that kind of stuff. It's like I didn't get along with somebody. And I don't know uh, where I got this, but um, I, and it sounds so corny to actually bring it up now, but like I had a mirror on the back of my door in my childhood house. And I think when I was about 15, I wrote on a little piece of paper, like, stop trying to figure out people who don't know who they are yet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and I put that there so I would see it every time and then later on I heard somebody say that like once he had kids he started to see everybody as someone who at one point was somebody's baby mm-hmm. that was just like a blank slate mm-hmm. and that this like grumpy old man was hasn't been a grumpy old man since the beginning of time <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like I, I'm I'm guessing that like those experiences for you might be pretty similar. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I don't think we all are not stagnant people. We all kind of like evolve as we've gone. I've definitely done that. I mean, just kind of what I've told you previously is like, just look at looking at me from let's think in decades, like from when I was like one to 10 to 10 to 20, like 10 to 20, especially like that time. I think for everybody <laughs> like, I, I tell my niece all the time, I'm like, you're never the same person from 13 to 14, 14 to 15, 15 to 16, so on and so forth. You're never the same person. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that like, I sometimes have to wrap my head around, like, I feel like that's the way life always is going to be. Mm-hmm. Even if you come across people who are like, this is all, all the way, all this who I've been all, all of my life. And it's like, that's yeah. not really true because I, I feel like that change has already happened and maybe people get scared of that change. I don't know. Um, but I think we're all just figuring it out as we go along, really, at the end of the day. Um, yeah. It, can I ask you, as someone who's been in a, a 10-year relationship, what is that like to to share your life with somebody where both of you are also growing and changing? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm in a relationship that's been for four years. Four uh-huh. years? Oh, my God, yeah. And, uh, and we, like I, I feel like we're both very different people than, than we started or at least slightly different, but we still like each other, mm-hmm. which is very good luck. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. Thinking back on it now, it's just like relationships are so much work. I mean, they are a lot of work and I, I particularly say that because like, I'm, when I met my husband, he was 17, I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just kind of like ebbed through life together. Um, and really it was just, I don't know, it was just like working with each other as we were going through things. And it was a lot of just times where you kind of sit back and you're like, oh, I'm not a perfect person to this person or to myself how can I be different and be open Mm -hmm. to those type of experiences? Um, And obviously them being open to those, those type of conversations and experiences as well. Um, And I don't know, it, it's hard because I feel like now for like Matt and I, it's just like second nature. So I don't really think about it too much. (laughs) Like even now, like I'm, I'm 30, like I'm still actually growing up. Like I'm still becoming an adult or whatever semblance of that may be. (laughs) Um, I never really think of it because I'm just like, you're just such a good partner to have in me with my learning because you listen to me, I listen to you. Um, and it's just kind of like, 
I don't know, that's that, that synchronous thing again. It's just like, it's, I, I feel very, very lucky to have met someone that young in my life who has helped me through a lot that I've experienced. Um, and has also really like cultivated and cherished my creativity as much as I do um, and believes in me more than I do most of the time. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so like having that has always been like really, really good. Um, and I'm sure you've, you've probably experienced the same exact thing. Oh yeah, I uh I think probably maybe like one of my lowest moments was um I had and this is like so superficial like, looking back on it. Um but like one of the hardest things uh, I had to deal with was like weight. Um so when I got to college, very common uh to gain weight and I think one of my lowest moments I was like I tripped over something in my closet and I like didn't feel very good about myself and I was just like crying on the floor of my closet and um uh my boyfriend came over and he was like you're gonna be okay everyone figure it out and like for the next three years yeah for the next three years um he was like with me for everything like whether it was like doing workouts or like just like to make sure I believe myself making sure that I eat food because that was also a problem when I stopped doing that (laughs) um but but yeah it's just very strange to like have somebody that's like really devoted to helping you do this thing because uh that's not like a usual thing like usually people are like okay I'm kind of like this peripheral person in your life like we're acquaintances and then to have somebody that's like devoted to you is like a very nice surprise (laughs) oh yeah it's I mean it's a it's a nice surprise because you're like, for me, I will say is like, you're, you're granting me the grace that I never granted myself. Mm-hmm. And that type of seeing that externally is just like, it's a very emotionally emotional situation. And I've always been like super, super thankful for like all the, all the support that Matt has given me through all of that. But yeah, I mean, especially at such a young age, I would not anticipate anybody you know, giving that type of emotional labor to me at 17, 18, 19, whatever it was. Cause that's, like I said, I feel very lucky to have come by that so early on in life. Um, And frankly, to have learned from those types of experiences as well. So this chapter in your life of, of college, um, uh, I guess one, one, one question before like the end of the chapter is like, you would go home, uh, often for this this project or you would go home to just see family or it's like maybe it's for a birthday or something um what was it like like starting this new version of yourself or who you actually were and then going back to this place that like you used to not really be yourself I will probably say back then um It's probably going to make me sound really terrible, but I was like, oh, like I finally grew above this place. Like I I Mm. told myself, I don't really need this place. And I probably felt like that at at some points in time. Um, And I really think that was probably an unproductive version of realizing that um, I love myself a whole lot more Mm. and I didn't need to prove that to anybody. Um, So I felt way more comfortable. Like, sure, like my, like my work that I made resembles is like, 
yeah, I feel pushed out, but Mm. that was also like a blessing in disguise kind of thing, because I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't feel this way if it wasn't for that feeling at the end of the day. Mm. So it kind of like, it felt a little full circle when I got there, even though, like I said, it was veiled in something negative. It's definitely something that really, I, I should have sat back and just been like, you actually, you did it. You should be like, yes, you should pat yourself on the back. You just don't need to be a jerk about it. Like, <laughs> just like, you you can just like love yourself for like how, who you've become at this point. So I'd probably say that. Um, I had like a, a rough time of uh, doing the whole back and forth thing. Like, did you, when you moved to Philly, did you feel like, like this is where you belong and like, this is your new home? Do you feel rooted in it? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that, and I, and it it's hard because like Philly has always been like my heart. Like I, I always say no matter where I will move in my life, I always want to like come back to Philadelphia, buy a house and never leave. Mm. Um, but that's because like just the community I had, um, like I can never, I won't say never. Um, it is very, very challenging for me, especially like being person, being someone who was so closeted growing up in our hometown, moving to Philadelphia and like just opening that door as wide as possible and running through that, like that level of community that I felt, um, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be separated from again. And I think that's like the one, the one challenge that I have. So like now I'm in the process of like trying to buy a house and like move to another city. And my big thing always was like, I need to be around my community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that's why Philadelphia was just like so formative, formative for me because it, it, it lent that type of experience to somebody who never really saw it, or at least like try to push it away for so long. And now I'm just like, this is, this is home. Like that, that feeling feels like home. Philadelphia feels like home or another city can feel like home if it has that type of energy around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you say community, is it like people that you know or people who have similar interests? Oh, it's like like queer people, like for sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I like I like I I have like such a deep affection for like surrounding myself around queer people. I love queer art. I love queer history. Like that that is moving to Philadelphia is something that's what kind of like sent me down the rabbit hole of just being like there's so much energy here that I missed for 18 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, please don't take this away from me. Like I want this <laughs> place. So yeah. yeah. Moving to Philly was the first place where a neighborhood in the city was called Gaberhood <laughs> to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I would never see that in Delaware. I would never see that outside of Allentown. And it's like, <laughs> it just kind of like reveal it. Like you peek behind the curtain where you're just like, Oh, like this is Oz, I guess. This is not anywhere, anywhere on the same level. Um, but uh, the only time I felt something similar to that was when um, I was like at the end of college, like we are in your timeline. Um, and I like, like all the way through, I went to school for graphic design at Drexel. Um, so not, not far from UArts. And I, um, uh, I, I went for graphic design because it's like the only thing that I really knew that I liked. And the whole time that I was there, I was like, something's not right (laughs) I don't know what it is this is like the closest thing that I I want um but like I'm so scared to graduate because I don't think I want to do this and all of this kind of stuff like I was super nervous and then I took this um 
uh, my friend like did this whole presentation in Adobe XD and I had no idea what that was about. And so then I was like, okay, I have this free elective. I'll just like take this course because I can do it online. And so I don't have to like go in person. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's really cool. And I could do it on my own pace and it's like $8 on Udemy. Um, And so I I took this course and um, it was like a light switch went off and I was like, oh my God, where has this been? Like, this is exactly what I want to do. And everything he is saying makes sense. I'm somebody that likes lists. I, I like structure. I like all of these things. Like to, to have this thing that's so close to what I was studying and what I like, but, but like has so much like research and objectivity and not everything is subjective. Not everything is up to me. Like I literally, I started to cry. And I know that makes me sound like such a loser or whatever, oh. but but yeah, it was it was like like a moment where I found out like this is the thing that I want and like never been exposed to it before. Yeah. I mean like that type of value is like so close to like who you are and who you are obviously has like multiple dimensions to that. But like you probably felt I mean did you feel a sense of just like being freed from like away from all like the stress that you had and now that you found this like comfort zone? I felt like I had a ticket out of whatever stress that I had. Yeah, exactly. Like those type of experiences, like you kind of have to hold close to you. Cause like, also it's probably for most of us, like that might not be the last thing, the last time we've experienced that feeling, Mm -hmm. but you know, the second time that you feel it, you'd be like, well, I know how I felt before. This feels like the right thing to do now that I, now that that's this feeling is creeping back. So it's great. Like I, I, I wish that experience upon everybody um, because it's just like so deeply like warming. It's good. It, I, when I remember, I still remember like the super shitty old house that I was in and like, it was so bad, <laughs> but like the moment where I was at this little computer, <laughs> that that's, that's a good memory, even though it was like in a house that was like one of those Philly college houses that's like falling oh, apart yeah. and has like rats and whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I've been to a few. Those, <laughs> but but so in, in your life, in your timeline, like when you were like right about to graduate around that time that I had that that moment, um, were you excited to graduate? Like like did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? Or were you like me and you're like, I have no idea what that's going on? <laughs> it was I was like I was probably really, really excited because there was so much energy leading up to graduation. Mm. Um, especially art school. It's like all senior year, you invest all your time and all your energy to make this body of work that you have in a formal show at your college. And then I was also with a team of people organizing our off-campus show. So it was like actually my official peak, like first show <laughs> I ever had outside of college. Um, so like all that energy, I was just like, oh, like so much inertia. I get to like go into my life with like all this inertia and things are going to happen. And then for me is like, it kind of hit a brick wall where I was just Mm -hmm. like, oh, but this is real life now. Like I now have to worry about like all these things, like making sure now that I'm like, I have a boyfriend at the time. It's like, we need to pay rent and I need to do all these things. So like life definitely got in the way and kind of hit a brick Mm -hmm. wall for me. Um, I had aspirations of things that I wanted to do. I had knew exactly what I did not want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but life just kind of shook out completely differently. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that like 
that passion or like that inertia never, you know, fizzled away for me permanently. It's always Mm -hmm. something that will be nestled inside of me because I, I try to always make sure I don't look at, uh, look at life like a ladder. I look at life like lily pads. So Mm. I may, my track of lily pads may be different than what I initially thought. That doesn't mean that I can't retrace my steps and go back through the other lily pads. Like if, you know, one leads me down photography later on in life, it's fine. But like Mm. the one, the one I'm on now equally makes me happy. So I can always have that option to kind of bounce around as I need to. So there were expectations um, and there were things that I wanted to do, but I just kind of like let life come at me, I guess. A little bit. <laughs> I, I remember somebody uh, saying something. Oh my God. It's so embarrassing. It was it Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> he, he, yeah, he, um, uh, I think I remember he said that life is something that happens through you, not to you. Life, life never comes at you. It comes from you. That was like, oh, that's I, it. that was the, the interview with Dune with Zendaya. It was, yes. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I heard that. And I was like, that is such a good way of looking at it. Cause it's true. Like I, I absolutely saw it that way. Once he said that, I was like, yeah, he's right. It's true. I remember Zendaya looked at him. Like I did not expect this casual conversation to be that answer. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. But, um, uh, but yeah, so what was this the the next step for you after you so you graduate i i saw that instagram picture of you with your your graduation hat your your diploma your degree and um so what happened next so i graduated um definitely focused on making sure i could get my own place with matt at the time um i just worked really really hard i was still doing photography stuff on the side so i didn't really necessarily have like a photography job Mm-hmm. And I never really wanted a particularly like a photography photography job because I was always so focused on like fine art photography. I always wanted to tell the stories that I wanted to tell. Um, and the work I was doing was uh, I was making a lot of zines at the time. Uh, okay. I had uh, uh, two friends of mine who uh, were up in North Philly and they were um, publishing a zine that I did. They were self-publishing some other zines that they were doing. Um I was selling some of my photo work. I was submitting a lot of my work constantly everywhere. I landed some of my work in um, some magazines and got featured in some like other kind of like news outlets, which was cool. Um, and what is a, a zine? Because some people are from like a whole bunch of different countries and yeah. I don't know if they know what that is. So a zine is like um, a very DIY version of, for me, like a photo book. So mm-hmm. my zine was um, street photography that I took around Philadelphia. Um, that was very just like, it's very free form. There's no like formal rules or like anything that a zine really follows. Um, there's a great history of zines. If nobody knows what zines are, please go look at them. They're fantastic. I'm really inspired by, again, I'll say like a lot of like queer zines, very DIY, punky, mishmashy. It's just like, it feels messy, but it feels so right mm-hmm. um, sometimes. So zines are just like a great outlet for you to be like, I'll have a book, but I don't got a lot of money. So I'm <laughs> definitely going to make the zine. So that's, that's definitely the the route that I was in where I was just like, I... I've always wanted to make a book. I've always wanted to make a photo book, but they were the the best outlet for, for me to take advantage of that. So I was just kind of 
for a very brief period of time, just really falling into being like, I need to push out zines. Um, yeah. And, and where were you working like in the, the most of the time? And then you had photography as soon as you could. <laughs> so uh my first job that I would say that I really remember outside of college uh, I was working in an adult store on South Street um <laughs> and that was a very wild experience it's like the most popular one of the most popular stores on South Street which nobody knows South Street on uh on here in Philadelphia it is a street full of shopping and bars so <laughs> um I was there till 12 o'clock at night so it was definitely very wild time um, <laughs> My my onboarding for that job was to watch the movie Empire Records, um, which I don't know if you've seen, but you should definitely watch it. My life was exactly like that movie working at uh, at the store. And it was just like, it was great. I worked with only like maybe seven people max and just built like really close-knit relationships. There's like my work, they were my work family. Very yeah. much so. Um, it was a great, great time. It was so much fun. And then uh, after I left there, Matt started working at Apple. He got me my ins for Apple. <laughs> so uh, we both were working at Apple for, I was working, he was working there for five years, almost five years. I was working there for about four and a half. So that was okay. like the biggest chunk of like my work history um, right after college. So it was like, just kind of like skyrocketed really quickly through retail into like technology, um, both different forms of madness for sure. <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, the store on South Street. Did you have to work at Apple um, uh, during like their big long lines and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. What is that like to be on the other side of the glass doors? <laughs> it's actually like pretty exhilarating because everybody mm-hmm. who works there is just they're investing. They were really invested in the products, um, and they were really invested in making sure that it wasn't a disaster. <laughs> so everyone is like just like full force four cups of coffee like let's go like let's just get these people in and out of here as best as possible because everybody knows it's going to be just like man everybody (laughs) you just kind of succumb to that feeling um and yeah I mean it's 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 a a lot a lot of energy and it's it's honestly a lot of fun it was the the most grueling part of it was just the day in and day out just doing the same thing over and over again but uh but those times are kind of like uh a holiday but you got to be at work cool. uh did you ever get to talk to the person that was like first in line in the apple line no i was actually a, a technician so i actually oh, okay. did most sales um we were pretty limited on those days though so i would sometimes work sales but i never talked to the like the first person in line but i would always i like ask people like are you excited for your phone? <laughs> I don't know. I try to get people to drink the apple juice as much as I was that day. <laughs> so they call it that? Oh yeah. Like when when you really Apple, when you work at Apple, it's like your onboarding is you are you are drinking the apple juice. Like that's that's all it is. It's just like you get, try to get like indoctrinated into like what is the work culture there. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, if I'm getting this right on your timeline. Um, it was, it was Apple and then it was something that was like, um, uh, software or, uh, uh, a platform at a hospital. Yeah. Is that I was, this right timeline? 
Yeah, so right after Apple, I was um, working at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. I was a mobile systems analyst where I was deploying um, mobile devices like iPads, iPhones to like doctors and students and stuff. Mm. Um, Very brief blip in, in my life because I was like, I think that was the time where I realized I was like, I, I know what I love about my job, but I know what I really don't like about my job. And that was like the point where I just kind of like put my foot down and I was like, I need to do something completely different from IT. I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Mm. So that was kind of like my brief stint into what has catapulted me into what, <laughs> what I do today. <laughs> what did you really like about it? I love working with people. I love mm. working with people. I mean, like solving problems with people, frankly, just talking to people like is something that I just cherish really, really deeply. I love like organizational kind of things. I love process. I love structure. I love that type of stuff. And doing that with others is a really rewarding experience for me. Um, and what I knew I needed was something creative. I was like, I, mm. I need to find something where I'm doing something creatively with other people and kind of like using both sides of my brains where one side is very analytical and one side is very creative and kind of like meshing these two things together, um, which led me to being at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital on my computer being like, what is UX design? Like, how, what, <laughs> what, what does this entail? And it's like all the things that you're looking for. And I was like, cool, let's do that. What was the thing that, that you really didn't like? Was it just like you didn't feel like there was a creative outlet? You just felt like you were doing the same thing all the time? Absolutely. And like my, I, I, Matt and I would probably both say is like Apple kind of got me into this very robotic mode where like mm. my emotions felt like they were on a switch. Um, mm. when I worked, when I worked with some people, um, and when I definitely like clocked into work and clocked out of work, um, that was really emotionally grueling. Um, and then, yeah, the, I was like, Oh, like, you know, a new environment. Let me just go over to Thomas Jefferson. And it was the same thing. I was like, yeah, my interactions all feel the same and that you know robotic nature I was like I need to break away from this and I knew creativity was the the piece that I was like that will spark all the difference that I'll see in my next job so Mm. definitely something more creative is what I needed I I uh, at some point I I was a maid uh (laughs) when I was like doing all of this stuff and um uh it's it's like working with people trying to do all of this stuff um but yeah, I, I, I liked working with people. I liked seeing how their life was and, and like doing all of these things after watching how they interact with things um, to make their lives better, um, like how they, they organize their house and how I could fix that. Like it was kind of like analytical, but like it was, it was so like emotionally exhausting that I'd come home and I'd be like just unavailable. Yeah. Uh, I, I would just like get in bed and just like lie there. Like I was just so exhausted. Um, and I, I didn't feel like it was like doing anything. It was always the same thing every day. It wasn't building on it. Yeah. Um, and, and around that time, yeah, I learned what UX design was. And I, I watched a YouTube video by uh, Christine Chun, who I'm actually going to her workshop uh, like late tonight. Cause she's in a different time zone. Uh-huh. And um, uh, uh I, I started to like see what this thing was. So like, what was your first exposure to like the word UX? Because I didn't know what that was until I was like 21 years old. 
Yeah. My first exposure to UX, I think I was just like, I quite literally, like I would be at work just like poking around on things that I could do. Um, mm. And I knew that if I was going to make like a really hard job pivot that I didn't have the time to invest that I needed to invest mm. um, into that. So I was like, I know it needs to be, I need to drop this job. I need to go into a class and I need to just like, you know, really, really immerse myself. So I think it was just really just something that I happened to cross. And then my YouTube feed was like all full of like what UX <laughs> is and like what, what it's like being a UX designer. And I, when I started, when I started watching those videos, I was just like, yeah, this is the both sides of my brain thing that I need to be doing. Like I absolutely need to be doing this. Um, and then that just kind of like led me down the road of being like, what's the best boot camp for UX UI design? <laughs> um, and I think a, a, li- a really big part of it was, is that like, I didn't need to be like, I, if, if you and I were in the same room, you were a UX designer, I was a UX designer. I'd be so intimidated because you're a graphic designer. I'm like, visually, like, oh. you, you've got, you've got the chops. Like the, that's the thing I, I yearn for. I really want to be good at UI. Mm. Um, and UX was like, no, you don't need that. You're, you're solving problems. It's not mm. about things being perfectly built and like beautiful, though they can be. It's more about like this, like working together, collaboration, problem solving. And that's why I was like, yeah, I think I need to do this. That's really interesting. Like, who were your, your, um, the people that like, I, I call them your team. Like, it's weird. Cause it's like, usually these people have no idea that you even exist, but like, like, it's so cool to like say, Oh, well there were these three people on YouTube and then these two people on Instagram. And then this is 15 people I follow on LinkedIn. Like all of their information helped me a lot, even though I've never met any of them. <laughs> I would say like, okay. The first name that I always remember when I first jumped to this is Jesse, Jesse Showalter. Um, Ooh, okay. I always, I always looked at his stuff where I was just like, oh, he's making like really beautiful things and the way he's thinking about these things. Um, there's not really anybody else on YouTube that I remember their names, but I definitely watched a lot of people being like, my week as a UX designer at Facebook or Instacart mm. and things. And I used to like watch those videos. So the like, those were like pretty big ones. Um, my Instagram is all like photography stuff. Like I really, I think now that like, I do have a career in UX design. I am very much so someone who's like really big on like flicking the work switch on and off. Mm. So I kind of like compartmentalize my life where I'm like, when I'm out of work, I don't want to see any UX UI design. <laughs> I need to preserve my brain. Um, but at that time it was like, my brain was just like a sponge. It was anything that I could happen across medium articles, UX collective, like didn't matter who it was because I just did not know what I did not know. And I needed to experience everything I possibly could. Um, did that feel like um, uh, panicky to you that you were in the situation? After I left Thomas Jefferson? Yeah. Uh, not really. I didn't really feel too panicked just because like I knew I was going to GA. And I was mm. like, oh, GA is going to give me that structure. So I don't need to be like too panicky. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely panicky because I was like, what am I doing? This is the most manic thing I've quite literally ever done. 
So like that was, that was definitely scary. Um, especially because I knew stories of people who like didn't get UX jobs for a very long time after a boot camp. And mm. I was really scared of that experience, but that's all like me projecting really, really far out. Um, but in the moment I was just like, let's do it. Like I'm ready. I'm like, just, let's go. <laughs> and, and so you, you quit your job, you start the boot camp. What happened? Like, what was it like? I don't know. What, what was that? That did you do? How long was it? Like, just tell me about that. So I started GA basically right as COVID began. Like I was working in the hospital when COVID started and I was like, definitely need to get out of here and mm. did GA remotely. Um, it was, it was an incredible experience to me, honestly. Um, you know, I was able to like talk to people on a daily basis. I was frankly able just to meet people. I was really excited about that because at that time we couldn't go outside. So mm. like, I just was really, really happy to like have that type of social interaction. Um, I was there for three months. I did the full-time immersive course. Um, it was great. My instructors were just like really, really thorough. They were like fantastic people to talk to and like work through things. Um, I had some like industry professionals come in and, uh, look at our, uh, our things for presentations. Um, I don't know. It was just like, it, it was such a whirlwind. Like that part of my life was just such, such a whirlwind. Um, but still kept my brain as like spongy as possible. Just be like, talk to anyone you can look up anything you can learn anything you can and just like keep building upon that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, I love to learn. I really, I like, I love to learn new things. Um, and uh, I'm thankful that like, uh, I'm in a career now where it's considered like, you're a lifetime student, you're a lifetime learner, <laughs> but, it, but it's true because mm -hmm. people always change, behaviors always change. And that kind of opened my eyes to like a lot of things UX can be, um, which really excited me. So it was like a, it was again, one of the similar to college where I was just like, look at this experience, like, look at all the things you can learn and just falling headfirst into it. It was great. Uh, was there a difference in your experience in um, how you felt between college when everything was like a, a rubric point system, maybe your grades were connected to your scholarship mm -hmm. and uh, doing this, which is very much more of a, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's a very different experience. Like, how, did you feel different? You were also different ages. Big time. Like, yeah. it, like night and day to me where college felt more of like, college felt like a, I don't, though I don't see life like this. I, though I do view college now as a societal, you know, stepping stone as like a, a rung in that ladder of life of being mm. like, okay, high school and then college and then job kind of thing where this was like, this opened my idea to like the, the lily pad situation where I was like, okay, now this is a functional investment of my education to move over a lily pad on like a, another track. So mm. it felt, honestly, it felt probably a little bit loftier than college mm. did. Um, just because I know the ramifications afterward were so much larger than, than college was initially. Um, but Ram ramifications sounds like consequences. 
yeah I would say like being able to like pay my like pay my rent and stuff like that mm. and, like just have a kind of like a financial hold on my life I feel like that was that responsibility was always really really seated heavily on my shoulders mm. um so that's why I think a, a lot more weight on that was was you know much more vast but also it like pushed me to work really really hard and like pushed me to work uh at just absorbing everything that I could. So it was sure it was a little bit more stressful, um, but equally as rewarding when it came to like actually learning new things. Um, I, I had this, this night and day thing too, um, when it came to uh, um, graduating. So uh, once I, I was kind of like done with school and I, I started taking all of these classes and um, uh, I also started taking classes like Webflow University and, and everything. Um, I, I realized that I actually loved learning. I just hated rubrics. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was like meeting who I actually was. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I was naturally curious. It's just I hated um, schedules and, and terms and grades and only doing it to get a good grade. and then try to like decipher the personality and the interests of the professor and then doing everything in in their style just to get them to like me and give me a good grade I didn't really care if they liked me I just wanted them to like me to give me a good grade (laughs) and and uh it it sounds like maybe you might have felt something similar of like I uh this feels more real and and um I'm not as like removed from it. Yeah, it definitely felt more like placed inside of life, I guess. Was the best way to put it, maybe. I don't know. Like, I just think it's hard. I think it's really hard to put creativity in a rubric. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't really, sure, it's possible, like obviously, but I just don't think it's 100% necessary, um, especially with something with like, with GA, it was like, I wasn't getting an A or B or a C and I really wasn't worried about anyone like, like a professor liking me, even though I did want them to like me because someday they'd be my peers. Um, it, it's just like, it kind of pushed me to just be like, you can be creative and you can strip away the perfectionism part of creativity because creativity isn't meant to be perfect. And mm. I think one of like the best things that I learned at GA where it was like, you know, you don't need to fit inside of this little box that maybe the structure of college does. Um, you actually need to like break that box, that box being like a level of perfectionism of whatever perfectionism is to you. Um, it's about being not perfect and continuing to like grit through not being perfect because at the end of the day, what that's leading you to be is a better designer because you're constantly learning constant mm. um so that's what I would say is like how I would kind of see that and if you don't learn in this industry you're gonna fall behind absolutely absolutely updates happen like every every month yeah. <laughs> my programs have to restart like every few months exactly things are constantly changing like constantly changing and it's it's not even just like an industry though there are industry like trends that happen um, it happens on such a more of like a microscopic level. Like when you look at, you know, especially me being at an agency, it's like the, the products that 
we work on are just like changing every single day um, and every single sprint and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So you just kind of have to keep up with it. Just constantly just keep learning and pushing yourself is the biggest thing. So what you were learning at GA, you were learning, I'm, I'm guessing based on like the number of times that I've looked at their description <laughs> um, was uh, like, like working on teams, wireframing, high fidelity, communicating to developers, all of these kinds of things. Well, yes, I would say all these things, but one that's probably the scariest part, which was uh, working with developers. Mm. Um, yeah, we worked a lot on like the research kind of stuff. So especially with my experience at Apple, I was like, I want to talk to people. Like I want to mm. talk to people. I want to sit down to people. I want to like, I want to ask them why five times because I've done that before. Like I'm mm. so, I'm so comfortable in that type of like bantering back and forth with trying to solve these problems and, and really get to the core of things. So we did a lot of like interviewing stuff, a lot of like affinity mapping and really solidifying that research to be able to then go into wireframes, high fidelity prototypes, if we could get there um, and stuff like that. I wish we worked with developers. I actually Mm -hmm. would, I I think that's something that maybe, I don't know all boot camps, but GA could definitely work on is getting devs and designers together um, because I was fearful of that when I got really? my job. I was so fearful of that. Um, and if I had that experience earlier on, I definitely would have had, you know, way more under my belt to kind of move forward with that communication. Um, especially since I was, my primary concern was collaborating with people. I was like, mm. I know I'll learn it eventually, but damn, I wish I had this experience before <laughs> I got to my job. <laughs> And, and, and speaking of your job, like, I remember reaching out to you when, uh, even though like, you know, you I was, um, and saying like, congrats on your job. And you're like, thank you, stranger. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, so when you, when you graduate, did you like apply to a bunch of different places? Like, were you looking around and, and you chose think company and they chose you? Like, how did that little story go? It was I say it's like really wild because it is, but definitely wild in context of just like my own experience, because I know it's very, very drastically between, uh, you know, bootcamp graduate to bootcamp graduate. I applied to quite a few jobs. Um, I had maybe 20, 24 or so jobs on a spreadsheet. Mm. Um, Think company was probably the first company I applied to and got an interview with. Mm. Um, and then it was game over. Like, I mean, I, wow. I specifically applied there because I was like, their culture seems so great. Mm. They were so focused on, um, you know, that, that level of lifelong learning of that. Nobody's perfect. Um, and once I, once I identified that just, through their website, I was like, I have to be a part of this. Um, and I thought it was really important as a UX designer to not be siloed into one type of experience because I was, I, mean, I literally just graduated after three months. I need as much experience as possible mm. um, on different products. So I was like, agency seems like a, a good way to be able to get that type of experience. So yeah, it was, it, I mean, it moved very, very, very fast. Um, it's still wild to me that I've been there for eight, nine months already. Um, and GA, cause GA feels like yesterday. Um, mm. 
but I feel also just incredibly lucky and like grateful that that experience came across my plate because I definitely would not take that back for sure. So wait, did you say that, that they were the first place you applied? Yeah, I got I got my first job two weeks outside of a boot camp. Yeah. How does that feel? Um it it feels amazing. I like I said, I feel incredibly grateful. Um I won't lie, sometimes sometimes I think about it and I'm like so many people for so long like struggle with being able to find a UX job and I'm mm. kind of like a why me like guilt kind of thing it's mm. a little bit of a guilt complex um but that's just because like I I deeply want that experience for other people as as I have because to be to be in such a rewarding situation especially after such a stressful situation um I think I think just just want something that's something that I think everybody should should experience and not have to wait, you know, eight months to be able to find a job, which I'm sure is really, really difficult. But I'm like, I was super happy. I was like, so relieved. I was just, I think that's the biggest thing. I was like, I was just relieved. Was that the feeling? Uh, did you feel um, uh, hesitant about celebrating it publicly because you were afraid it was going to make other people feel bad who weren't in your situation? Yes. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Really? I mean, I had like, I made some like really good friends through GA and I had like those friends like had no jobs for months. And it was, Mm. I I was like, I don't know what this, I don't know how this will feel um, if I do this. Though at the same time, I was like, I think it's important for everybody to extend grace to themselves. It's kind of like I mentioned before, it's like, give yourself a little bit of grace. And I felt like I deserved a little bit of that after how hard I worked, but I was like, I just hope no one takes this the wrong way. I'm just, Mm. it's something just feels like it really like got lifted off my shoulder. So yeah, I was definitely hesitant for sure. So I, I I have something to show you actually. Um, (laughs) So uh, this pen, it's a Poppins pen. Um, it's because it's, it's, so what I'm looking at is like this, like kind of like really nice, slick looking, just white pen. Um, uh, I got my first one from Think Company. Um, I actually, I went there on a school trip in 2018. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, my, I had this class where, um, uh, we, it was, it was like probably one of the best classes that I took. It was because it, we met once a week and then we would go to a, a design agency in Philly or New York. Um, and then we would just talk to the people and like, listen to like what their life is like. And they gave me this pen and, um, uh, I like put it somewhere. And then I came back when I started my own freelancing business. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is like the best pen ever. And then once I ran out and it had this thing company logo on it, I was so sad. And then I asked for my birthday, like for like, a bunch of packs of these pens uh-huh. and so I, this is like the only pen that I use for work and stuff like that and I don't know why but like anytime that I'm working even though I don't work there and I don't really know many people there like I just always have to think company pens that's amazing <laughs> what was that experience like going to visit there it was uh I don't know it was they talked about websites and apps and I hadn't really had a lot of experience with that it was a little intimidating 
because I'd taken a web class, which was strict coding. It wasn't like um, integrations and everything like that. So it seemed very impossible. But I, when I went there, it was like, everything seems very, I don't know, like uh, s- sticky notes <laughs> and and coffee and, and like very agency-like. I was like, wow, I'd love to be here one day, but I don't know how I would fit in. And that was before I even learned what UX was. Yeah. That was my experience there. Yeah, it, I've, I felt similar too. Like the, it's like when you when you're a part of the energy, like it feels great. But when you're looking at it from like a third party, you're like, whoa! Like I don't know if I can be a part of that or if I'm allowed to be a part of that kind of thing. But also at the same time, you're like kind of mesmerized a little bit by it. Yeah, I. I so like now that that you're there and you've been there for a few months, like do you feel used to it yet? Like, do you feel like you're in the swing of things? Um, I'd say it's been a challenge because I am, uh, I'm remote. So I, I don't go into the office whatsoever. Uh, I'm on a fairly small team. So my experience from what think is and, or what think could be, on my project has been pretty limited. I think mm. now I'm finally getting into the swing of things. Like, oh. and it took eight months. Like it mm. didn't take that long. Um, when I first got there, my imposter syndrome through the roof. I mean, it was, really? it was wild. Um, yeah, it was like a, a lot to really control and like wrangle in and be like, no, like, you know what you're doing. Just lean into what you know you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really, really hard at first, but now that I finally settled down, I'm like, okay, like I know the things that I need to do and I know the things that I do really well. I know the things that I don't do really well. And actually that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Because like, that's why they kind of hired me in the first place, which they, they knew I wasn't a perfect designer. They knew I was still learning things. Um, and I got way more comfortable with that as time went on and I got way more comfortable with my skills as well. So I yeah, definitely feel like I'm finally starting to settle. And I actually told my manager that this week where I'm like, like really? where I'm like really wild at first. It was like really, really scary. And now I'm like, no, this, this is actually my job. Like you're actually here. You're cool. Like you can relax a little bit. So. And um, when we were talking before about like how life uh, ends up and all of these different things and you're kind of like, uh, kind of like a passenger and the lily pads and everything. Um, I, I have an idea of what, like, I thought my life was going to be like, um, and often I, it's really funny that even if I try to predict like three years down the line, I'm usually completely wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that often if people were to get everything that they wanted, um, at the moment where they first thought what they wanted, I don't really think they'd be as happy Mm -hmm. as they are now what do you think about that for you looking back 100 yeah like I I always think that constantly where I'm like so let's say say for instance like for me with photography like if that was something that I was really gung-ho about like and just like never gave up maybe things would have ended up the same maybe I really really doubt it um I always think like Frankly, if I went into photography, like, I don't know if I would be married. I don't know if I'd be mm. with that. Um, I don't know if I would have stayed in Philadelphia for 10 years. Mm. Um, 
I would have probably moved to New York or LA or something like that. Like typically like those big photography hubs. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely don't think I would be in the same position I am now, whether that's for, for better or for worse. Um, but I, I, I would say like, that's, that's kind of why I always look at life. Like, like I said, like the series of lily pads. Cause it's like, I can always go back to that thing. Like mm. it's, it's not just like on its own separate track and I can never cross back over again. Um, but if I stayed on that path for the, the amount of time I'm now on this current one, no, I don't, I don't think it would have been the same whatsoever, whatsoever. I was just thinking about the fact that like, I like, it's, it's been this whole time that we're talking and I actually like really feel present and I feel like I've calmed down from like the full day that I had. So like, there was a moment where my brain just went silent, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, uh, something that, that I do, um, that gives me like a little bit of freedom when I like look back on, on time and stuff like that. If, um, if I think about advice that I would give to my future self, I, I don't really do that anymore because she doesn't exist anymore and there's nothing she can do and it's kind of a little unfair to be like you should do this you should do that when like it's already happened and everything like that um but I think it is interesting like when you meet people that are at that age that you were at or in a similar situation or I have a friend that she's a year younger than me and she's in my my same major and so I try to like dump as much uh, information and advice as I can so instead of saying like what would you tell yourself at these different points in your life like if somebody that is listening to this that is like at those different points or felt like they were related at certain parts of your story um is there any kind of like advice or thoughts that you you might give them after talking through your story absolutely I would so I would kind of like put this in a few different spots number one always be unapologetically yourself only because no one literally can ever take that from you no one can take that from you that is that is all yours all the time and lean into that because that's what makes you unique that that's what makes you you i know that's like probably like pretty stereotypical stereotypical but like it's true like it's it's actually true there's not another person in this world like you um, think people have maybe gone through similar experiences as you, but did not go through those lived experiences and digested them like you have and love and appreciate that because it's great. It's fantastic. Um, a big thing that I would say is, uh, especially what GA taught me, which I had touched on is, uh, do not worry about being perfect. I mm. focused so much of my life trying to be the perfect photographer or the perfect, and maybe for a brief stint of time, like the perfect designer, Mm. um, the perfect, I don't know, husband or brother or or son or whoever. I try to be so perfect. And it's just, I'm still working through that. Like I, it's not anything that I've, I've tackled. And I don't think it's anything that anyone's ever going to tackle completely at a point in their life, but understanding that perfectionism is more toxic than it is leading you to a better place is something that you should always recognize sooner rather than later. Um, it's frank. That's frankly something that I told think when I first got hired, Mm. I went right into that interview and I said, I'm not a perfect person. 
I'm not going to be a perfect designer. And I want to make sure I'm going into a place where I'm not expected as such. And I was happy to be met with people who said, you're absolutely right. Because you're going to constantly be learning new things and you're going to mess up. And those are just things that you learn from and you move on and you do something better next time. Um, So I definitely say don't get wrapped up in being perfect. Um, And always communicate with the things that you need. Um, It's another thing that I did, I think, and I know I'm circling this more around like jobs and stuff, but it's true just in your life in general. But like when I also interviewed, I think I straight up said like, I need mentorship and I need to learn more. And this is not only for, um, for you to understand, but for me to be the best designer I can be for you um, and for myself. So I'm always very like open and honest and communicative about the things that I need because I don't expect anybody to read my mind. Um, so yeah, definitely don't, don't worry about being perfect. Always be yourself and communicate thoroughly is like the biggest things that I could, uh, I could give myself, but I could probably give anybody else to fight for the things you need. How did you have the guts to say that like right off the bat? when just, you had that previous experience of like i need to be this and then once you're in the the job that you finally got after all this time you're like i'm okay being vulnerable and saying what i'm actually thinking frankly it's just like probably my mind is like a little tired like of just like stressing myself out so much like i've 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 really done trying to do a lot of work on myself to try to like bring that level of stress down um, because it really did weigh on me a lot. Like I always pin back like the, the reason why I never really did photography is because I did a project once for a client that went really terribly and ruined my self-esteem. And mm. I'm frankly like done and over ever wanting to feel like that ever again. Like I will never really? feel like that again in my life. Um, and I don't want anybody else to feel that way either because one misstep doesn't, you know, dictate what is going to happen from from that point on and though maybe that my life circles back around in photography after ux or maybe at the same time um i'm not going to toxify like my ux or ui design career like that um and just like owning my imperfection and owning who i am and making sure people understand that i know i'm not perfect um it frankly just makes life a lot easier it makes my it makes my brain a lot less a lot less loud to myself. Mm. It just like calms all my nerves and all my anxieties. So like it it's not perfect. Again, not perfect. But you know, it's something that we all kind of like work through. You you sound like like at least in the present moment, you sound happy. Yeah, I sound uh yeah. I would say I'm I'm at least happier than I was. Mm. Like I was, I was down bad when I first got, when I got my job, like, mm. I, I think I was like really, really worried. Um, but I think what I'm really, worried about the, I was really worried about just like, I think it was the imposter syndrome thing was like, yeah. am, am I really supposed to be here? Like, I think we all kind of go through that. And then I've, I've just tried to lean into being like, we're all trying to figure this out all at the same time. Like every, it doesn't matter if you're like, you're the CEO or the director of design or like my design lead, or if it's me, we're all just trying to figure this out and that's fine. That's cool. It's all a journey and nobody's journey is going to be perfect or, you know, written out beautifully for them. Um, 
And I'm, I'm starting to come around to the idea of just being like, you can settle down. You can realize that you do belong here and constantly just move forward to make better strides and like do good work, do cool things. It's cool. It's fine. So I'm trying to give myself that advice and like say it in the mirror every day, I guess. Need you one of those power stands. <laughs> There's definitely times where before podcasts, if I was nervous, I would literally be like doing jumping jacks in my room. Yeah. <laughs> to like get myself pumped up for it. Um I guess how how are you feeling after talking through your your, your whole timeline with me? It's so wild because I was like, I know she's gonna ask me just like what life was and like I don't I remember certain things, but also like I don't remember a lot of like the nitty-gritty details. Um, it's wild. It's wild to reflect on these things, but it also comes full circle around to the point of just being like, life ain't nothing but full of stories. And we all have our different little stories and how they stitch together. And I won't lie. Like, I think I look back on my life to see like what those stories are, but, uh, it's cool. It's fine. I'm looking at my little chunks of lily pads and how they kind of like panned out. And, uh, if anything, I'm like, if the past dictates what the future will be, I'm pretty excited. And I want, I think everybody should feel that way too. When I, I told you before that if I ever try to like predict my future, I'm always wrong, um, which is fine. Cause then it's a surprise. Um, <laughs> but when you look like from this point, looking into the future, are there things that you like want to accomplish? Are there things that uh, maybe like you want to learn like what what does the next couple of years look like in your mind I see it like in a, a few tracks so like I would say it like let's say like personally and professionally so like mm-hmm. personally really want to buy a house trying to move to another city gonna buy a house eventually I might want to have a kid cool maybe a second dog that'd be awesome <laughs> those are some those are some like little like tidbits that I can like take to be like okay check 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 it's fine um, professionally, I would say I've been really, really interested in, we've had some struggles with like, uh, process stuff on my team. Um, mm. I will say this for people who are listening, GA bootcamps, they are very much so an idealized version of what UX is. Mm. Uh, UX is not going to be what you think it is when you do land your job, uh, doing UX UI work. So just be aware of that. Um, I think from that experience, I've been really interested in obviously continuing to grow like my day in and day out skills, but also learn how to like be a design lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, before I left Apple, there was like questions about like, do you want to be a lead? Do you want to be a manager? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And in that context, I didn't want to, but from a bird's eye view, I really love the idea of being able to like work with people to like guide a group towards a common goal, which I think is really, really exciting. So design lead stuff is, is pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing like what that entails. Um, and then I also see like, even though I'm, I'm on hiatus of like uh, (laughs) making photo work eventually, like when I do kind of like emotionally get invested into making photo work again, would love to have my first show, like my first show that I actually do. And like outside of school, um, I've always just wanted to get people around like some good photography, some good, whatever some good artwork to be able to like celebrate and and kind of check that off my list and wherever that leads just lead me on to the next thing so that would be that would be like the most prime examples it all sounds so exciting 
is. And the thing is, like, it's so wild because like I'm like, this stuff is not hard. You just have to do it. And I think mm-hmm. for a long time, I just I thought about it too much and I never did too much about mm-hmm. it. Um, so yeah, if you just like put that energy out, there's energy that's gonna loop right back around to you. So I'm like, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Sounds like closing. <laughs> yeah, as long as I'm not like too tired. That's the thing. It's like we all gotta sleep. Don't like don't hustle yourself to death. Get some sleep, drink some tea. I don't know, have a cookie. It's all good. <laughs> it sounds like uh like close your eyes, cross your fingers, and run. Yeah. Just go in the direction of the thing. Like you figure it out along the way. It's fine. It's all good. So uh I guess we're we're at the end. Uh what what I do at the end, um, just uh in case people want to reach out or anything, is I always uh say who I am, what I do, how to find me. Um, and then I finish off with you and then all of this is in the podcast description. So people don't have to worry about like spelling or links or anything like that. Does that sound good for you? It's good for me. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. So my name is uh, Emily Giordano. I am a uh, web designer, web flow developer, and UX person. Um, I, I make websites for people. It's, it's really, really fun. Uh, there's, there's so much that goes into it. There's so many different things that you can do. It's, it's, um, it's one of the most interesting careers that that's really out there. And I also, uh, started recently as a UX designer at MetLife, which is a totally different, uh, uh, animal and it was really fun. Uh, and I'm learning so much about working with developers, working with teams, working with QA, um, soon maybe working with research and uh and yeah that that's what i'm doing right now if you want to reach out to me for uh working one on one or or to chat advice or podcast you can find me at emily e m i l y at greatdesignlead.com uh greatdesignlead.com is my uh website my instagram um my youtube channel where i record myself uh um reacting to websites for the first time to user test them and learn about how other people do websites uh so if you want to find that watch me react to a video for like 20 minutes and then talk about it that's what i do in my free time um and uh and yeah so then we have this podcast that people listen to and i noticed that a lot of people from norway are listening to it so if you're from norway hi i don't know how you found this but thank you (laughs) and um and yeah and then i guess that's that's the end of me and then we'll finish up with josh and then we'll head out cool um my name is josh stewart i am a ux ui designer photographer goofball just sports fan um love working with people love collaborating with people love learning about people and talking with them um yeah if you ever want to reach out for any advice you want to talk about stuff totally fine with me um, you can find my website at jshstwrt.com. It's just my first and last name with no vowels. Um, <laughs> if you ever need any advice for like interviewing or mentorship, I will provide anything I possibly can. Please do not hesitate. Um, yeah, appreciate uh, Emily having me on. So thanks. Appreciate it. You can find all of that in the description. And thanks so much for hanging out with me. It was really fun. (laughs) Of course, not a problem. Thank you so much for having me. I, I loved it. All right. Well, until next time. All right.